All right, 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to read a few verses here. Now, we have been talking about uh, uh, heaven, right? Now, we, we started this whole thing by doing a series about FOMO. Remember that? And now everybody's talking about it. Uh, but the kids have been talking about it. That stands for fear of missing out. And the peer pressure and a lot of influences there. Seth preached one of the messages. I preached some. But then we, we kind of ended up talking about the good kind of fear of missing out. We want to fear missing out on eternal life. We even had a whole sermon about hell. And then we switched gears to heaven, right? And we've been talking about heaven for a few weeks. And I thought this would be a good way to kind of bring it together because as we we're talking about last week, this should motivate us. It should be a powerful motivation in our lives. And John really nails it here because he's been talking about some of this stuff. And I say, um, you know how I like to do, we've got to take the context of so what we want to do. The Word of God is live and powerful. This is what we base everything on that we do and that we believe is the Word of God. It changes not. People are always changing, but the message never changes. We want to take what's here, and we want to keep it in its context, and we want to give the right reading of it and bring it out. We want to bring out the Word so that we can understand it and apply it to our lives, right? We, want, we don't want to take preconceived ideas and come up with something and just try to cram in there and find Scripture that fits. So I want to bring this out. So sometimes I like to get a bit of a running start. That's what I want to do today. So I want to back up a little bit in First uh, John chapter 2, where he says in, bro, the print just keeps getting smaller, man. He says, <clears throat> there it is, verse 26. He says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. A lot of deception going on in our day too? Yeah. But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But his anointing teaches you about everything that is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him, abide in Christ. So there are people trying to come up that, hey, no, 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 God's got some new thing, and, and it was a different thing, but it wasn't God's thing, right? He says you need to stick to what you know and what God's told you, and the Holy Spirit has testified with that to help you understand. Then he says, and now, little children, abide in him. That's the key, abide in him. That's all about a life of faith. So that when he appears, here we get into it now, right? Who's he? Jesus. He's coming back. When he appears, he says, you, that we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Now, here we go. Chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know. Now, John, hey, been doing Wednesday night class for, and we're going to kind of wrap up this lesson this coming Wednesday on just one verse, Romans 8, 28, which starts off, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God, those who are the called according to his purpose. 
And Paul uses that, and we know. We should know these things. It's not an opinion, and John even does it here. So this is something you should know. You should get this nailed down because he says it this way. He says, um, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know. What, John? We know that when he appears... We shall be like him. Amen? Because we shall see him as he is. All hope, all walk of faith, everything's going to be fulfilled on that day. And he said, and everyone, watch this, who, ha who thus hopes in him, in Christ, purifies himself as he is pure. So this is hope that so living in the light of his return is the context here. Living in the light of the fact that he's coming back, it should have a purifying effect on our life. And this hope that we have, this hope should do this in our life, this hope that we have in Christ. Now, that's one thing that's in short supply today, isn't it, is hope. I mean, you look out there and listen, if you're sitting there listening to the news a lot here lately, you're definitely going to be depressed. There's a lot of false hope out there. There's a lot of hope in wrong things, but I'm talking about real hope is in short supply. Have you ever seen someone that has given up all hope? They despair of life. There's, they just hardly can keep going once you give up all hope. Uh, so this is something we really need today. And we're talking about the hope that is like an anchor to our soul, Paul talks, or the writer of Hebrews talks about. This hope that we have as believers in Christ should be like a shot of spiritual adrenaline inside of our soul, giving us encouragement and enabling everyday living. So it's not just that I believe this stuff. I have this living inside of me, and it changes my everyday attitude. It changes my everyday life. He's using this in my life. The Holy Spirit is transforming me, and a big player in this is the living hope that I have in Christ. And he's coming back. Now, let's, let's uh, I said last week, uh, pop the hood on this. I thought that was cool, pretty good. But let's, let's uh, I got to change it up a little bit. Let's, 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 uh, let's open this box and let's, let's take out the treasures here that he has for us. And, and let's let it change our lives as well. So here's what we know. We know this, that um, only Christ can give us these things. Only Christ can give us real hope. Only Christ can give us real salvation. Only Christ can give us real fulfillment that satisfies our deepest needs. Nothing else can fill that. Only Jesus. But here's what you know. So we know that. But we also know this. This is why we have hope. Is that everything that is ours in Christ, we haven't received it all yet. Hmm? There is more to come. We alluded to that last week where we picked up in Romans 8 where Paul was talking about uh, the, the, the longing that we have, the, the adoption that's going to happen even with our bodies, the resurrection, and even the whole creation is going to be a resurrection, new heavens and new earth, right? We also saw in Ephesians chapter 1 where Paul was talking about how that the Holy Spirit is given into our lives as a guarantee. It is a guarantee. It's like a seal, a sign that there is more to come. He, he uses a term that's kind of like an earnest money. You make a down payment, and that down payment is saying you're 
good for the rest of it. That the fact is that God has saved us and put his presence, his spirit into our lives is saying that's the down payment. There's more to come. He's good for all of it. You don't want to miss out on anything that God has for you. But there is so much more to come. We should be, uh, we should be filled with excitement and anticipation. But yet many are going around defeated. Many today, or even many people who profess Christ are going around defeated. We're going around discouraged. We're going around distracted. And we're being timid and terrified. People today are terrified. Terrified when you bring up this whole subject of death. And you see death around you. And you think about the fact of your own death. I want to tell you something. This place where we're living, some people just want to enjoy and avoid the fact altogether. This place where we're living, this is not the land of the living. I asked somebody, how are you doing today? He said, well, I'm still in the land of the living. And I, I, you know, it's hard for me not to be a smart aleck, but I, sometimes I really try hard. And I didn't say what I wanted to say. So I didn't say this. I mean, I'm also that guy that say, well, well, I'll tell you, I told him. And, and somebody say, close eyes, say, did you really say that? No, but I ought to have, right? I didn't really say it, I thought it, but, but I, so I didn't say this. I wanted to say, you're in the land of living. No, you're not, buddy. You're still in the land of the dying. That's where we are. We're in the land of the dying, but we're going to the land of the living where we'll die nevermore. It'll never be known. Uh, that's what this world is. This world is temporary, right? This world is not our home. This world is, is, a, is, is, is not going to last. Our whole life here. Is just a blip on the screen compared to most of our existence, which is going to be an eternity. And the Bible only gives two destinations, heaven or hell. And so think about the time that we have here. Think about how valuable it is. But also, when you have this hope, it helps you see that compared to what he has for us, this is really not much. I mean, if we struggle, if we suffer, if we go, that's what we were talking about last week. I don't want to have to rehash all that. But if we struggle in this life, the suffering, Paul said, of this present time, remember last week, isn't even worth comparing to what he has in store for us, the glory that's going to be revealed, right? It's not just that it'll offset it. It doesn't even compare. It blows it out of the water. Uh, so this is the thing that we've got to focus on and understand that we're going to have glorious perfection and it's going to last forever. So what I'm saying is that should impact my today. It should impact my today that we can get through this. And it should impact my today in that how valuable my time is and what I do as far as for kingdom of God's sake. I don't want to waste all of it on me and have nothing to present to glorify Him when I stand before Him someday. And so it should impact my life and all these things with this hope because of this whole thing called hope. Uh, now, the believer's hope. If you're in Christ, you have it. Um, so let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at it. Back up. Back, back, back. Okay, here we go. Now, this, this world doesn't understand it. You, you get it? Our world doesn't, so what we're calling hope, I'm telling you, you got friends, you got people in your family, listen to me now, that they don't, they don't really have hope. What you're calling hope, you just change a letter in it, they call it hype. Right? Uh, to them, that's all it is. It's just a bunch of hype. They don't understand it. One cynical writer wrote this, he said, 
that hope is a, they don't even believe in hope at all. They're just so negative. That is a pathological belief in the occurrence of the impossible. A pathological belief in the occurrence of the impossible. Really? Really? That's all you got? For us, here's what you need to understand. Biblical hope uh, is not just wishful thinking. Biblical hope is this. It is a joyful confidence. It is a joyful anticipation of the fulfillment of all of God's promises. That's what it is. Now, I haven't received them all yet. And that's what Paul told us. Remember in Romans chapter 8, he said that hope is, that is seen is not hope at all. Well, why does someone hope for what he has? You don't have to hope for it. You have it. But right now, we don't have everything, but we have a confidence. Confidence, yeah. Joyful anticipation of all of this being fulfilled in our life. And because hope always involves something that's uh, as yet unrealized, as Paul told us. Now, here is our hope. Let's look at it again. It is more than wishful thinking or a positive attitude. When we talk about hope, I'm not talking about just the power of positive thinking. The power of positive thinking will not get you very far. Because you could be sitting here right now, and you could be saying, man, I hope he gets right on through this, and I hope he's about to ready to wrap this up. See, that's just wishful thinking on your part. You know, you can think as positive as you want to, and it's probably all you're going to do is, is frustrate yourself, right? But the hope that we have in Christ is a, blows that out of the water. Because it is that confident, joyful anticipation, uh, assurance, okay? There's a good word, of future glory and blessing. We don't have it yet, but I can enjoy a little bit of it because of the hope that I have in me. And we don't just hope that it will be so. We have hope because it is so. You see the difference? Somehow or another, I feel like I need to say that again. I don't know. I'm looking for some reaction, I guess. Yeah. I'm not just hoping that it will be so. I have hope because I know that it is so. Now, one reason I have that is because of the, it is tied to my faith. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 13. You, you ready to go with me here? Let's get with it here. Make some notes. You want to look at this later. It, it, it's all tied together. Because he says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, he says, now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. There's faith, hope, and love. They abide. They remain, he says. Then... We go to Hebrews chapter 1, we talk about faith. Hope is tied to faith. He said, now what is faith? Faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You haven't seen it yet. You haven't received it yet. But there's substance. There's evidence. There's assurance that we have because of our faith. Faith is more than just positive thinking also. It's more, it's more than just saying, I believe. It is trusting, submitting, relying totally upon God and what he has said. So faith is the substance, the evidence of things hoped for, of things not seen. It goes still deeper. The source of that hope. Why can we have faith? The source of that hope is God's grace. It is God's love. Anytime you see 
anything about the love of God or the grace of God, it, the, grace and love are same sides of one coin, right? God loved us. What is grace? God is God giving us his undeserved favor. It's a total act of his love. Anytime you see grace, you remember John 3, 16. You remember what he said there, okay? God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So you have faith and hope. Faith in what? Faith in what? Faith in the grace of God. Paul told us in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. So our faith, our trusting him, is how we receive God's grace, which God's grace is this, the love of God. God giving us what we could never earn or deserve. God did this for us. His love. He didn't just say he loved us. He gave us the example. He gave. He gave his son, his only begotten son. So there's love. Whoever believes in him. Now that word translated believe is the same Greek word as translated faith. There's your faith. Believing in him, having faith in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hope surrounds this entire thing. That's our anticipation. That's a promise that he gives us. We have a living hope in that. And so you have all of it right there as well. He said faith, hope, and love abide. And we see faith and hope tied and love tied with Hebrews 11.1, 1, but also John 3.16. Because hope is the implication. Uh, love is the exemplification. He set the example by giving his only son. And faith is the invitation, if you will just believe. They're all three right there, all present. Besides that, this hope that we have in Christ that is alive and powerful, it also fuels our endurance. So now I'm motivated because of this hope that I have and what he has for me in the future and this hope that I have of, of his appearing, of the new heavens and new earth, of, of everything that he's done for me, I have endurance. 1 Thessalonians 1.3, and that's in your notes because this is powerful verse. He says this in just introducing the letter to the Thessalonians. He says, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Your work of faith. See, real faith, real faith produces action. James talked about that, true? Real faith, if you're really trusting, if you're really relying upon him, it's going to produce action. It's going to produce works. So works are not the root of our salvation. Works are the fruit of our salvation. It's all based on God's grace received by faith. It's all about faith. That works come, but it produces action. The work of faith, see? Real faith produces that. And labor of love. So the labor, the toil, see there's the work, but then the labor, the toil of it, is out of love because I've received his love and his love fills me up and I just want to serve him. Why? Because I love him. It's so much better than rules. It's so much better than duty whenever you are in love. So he says labor of love, work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. Because you have this hope of God fulfilling everything that he said to you, it causes a what? An, an endurance. It causes a perseverance. It causes a steadfastness. Fastness. That means you stand up under the load and you don't let go. Because this hope should be driving you. 
We talked about hope quite a bit when we were going through all that shutdown and all that crazy stuff with COVID, and we didn't know what all was going to happen and everything. But I want to tell you, there's much more serious things going on in the world in the day that we're living now. And if you look into the world leaders, if you're looking to Congress, you're probably not going to have a lot of hope. I'm praying for it. We do what we can. But my hope is in Jesus. And things in the Middle East are probably not going to get completely, they may get better, they may get worse, I don't know. But they're not going to be solved until the Lord comes back and his feet land on the Mount of Olives and it splits in half. And that eastern gate of the walls of the temple are going to be blown open. Remember I showed you when we were there, we took a picture of it, and they've been bricked shut. It's symbolic, I know, because the king had gone through there. We saw where Ezekiel, speaking prophetically, talked about those being sealed shut because the prince had gone through those gates. Well, he's coming back, and he's going to get all set straight. My hope is not just not in religion. My hope isn't in this church. My hope isn't in you. My hope isn't in any preacher. My hope is in Christ himself, the living Lord who is soon coming back. So all of it is there, a steadfastness that it gives us. But it should also, we're all too wishy-washy. You know that? There's way too much wishy-washiness. Who started that? Wishy-washy. Wishy-washy. That sounds kind of weird now that I think about it, Colonel. I mean, why do we say such things? Wishy-washy. I don't know. We, we just, uh, I don't know. Whatever that is, we're tossed about. We're not, we're not stable like we should be. But if you really have this hope, and if it's alive in you, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to use to not only give you steadfastness and endurance, but also be like, look what he says over here in Hebrews. I alluded to it earlier, Hebrews 6.18. He said that we may lay hold of what? You can say something here. Lay hold of the hope that is set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. It is like an anchor for my soul. Some of your soul needs to be anchored a little better. We're just stone tossed about, wishy-washy, whatever. We're, we're that way. We need an anchor that will hold. It is both sure and steadfast. And which, listen to this, enters the presence behind the veil. Now he's making an allusion here of the very presence of God. You know in the Old Testament temple or tabernacle originally that the very visible presence of the Shekinah presence of God was back there in the Holy of Holies above the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, right? But he's saying that Christ has entered into not that, but into the heavenly temple. The one on earth was just a pattern. He's in the very presence behind the veil, behind the veil that we can't see beyond. It's entered there. My hope is there. My hope is in his presence. My hope isn't in this world. It's in him. It's in him. Behind the veil, in his presence. That's where my hope is. And it's like an anchor that keeps me sure and steadfast. Is this happening in my life? Because I realize that God is not just, oh, we're doing great. God is not just the source. God is not just, uh, how shall I say this? 
He's not just the subject. I'll say it this way. He's not just the subject. He's not just the object of my hope. He's the author of it. He is it. He doesn't just give it. He's not just the subject of it. He's the author of it. Because he calls him here in Romans 15, 13. I know this has kind of become a kind of topical. I'm throwing a lot of verses at you. That's why I want to put those notes out there so you can look. I want to keep it all in the right context. He says, may the God of hope, that's who he is. That's who he is. Hope is who he is. The God of hope. There is really no other hope. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Oh, by the way, there's faith. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I love that. So the God of hope fills you with all joy and peace because you have faith in him. And then that is going to overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit abounding in more hope. And as you're filled more by him, it, it, it abounds in more and more, and it just keeps growing. So here's the deal. No matter how bleak things get in our world, no matter how difficult things are in your family, no matter how difficult people are where you work, no matter how you're starting to age, you know, and I used to laugh about all this, but I ain't laughing no more. You know, you get over the hill. It don't mean you're coasting. It just means it's all going down. And things aren't, you know, things are changing. I'm starting to realize, you know, that uh, so no matter what the doctor's telling you, that you have this hope that actually keeps growing and bringing, watch this, more peace and more joy, even though things out here look worse. That's what you have. That's what he says it's going to abound. I'll never forget. I know I've told you this many times, but it just so impacted my life. Growing up there, you know where I grew up. on the farm and granny and grandpa, great grandma and grandpa lived next to us Mima and papa down the hill mamma not very far away we have uncles aunts everybody all go to the same church couldn't get by with anything because everybody's watching right but i remember granny bless her heart see granny was so special to me um she she you know when you were a kid like what i was and got in so many whippings and so much trouble at church. I, I could have been one of those that grew up in church. It was just a bad experience. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't be quiet. I just, you know, uh, I couldn't follow the rules. And, and, you know, I get old enough, maybe I ain't going to do this, right? I could have been that. I'm glad God got a hold of me. Not everybody got me, didn't understand me. And it's true that there is one or two that refused to teach social class because I was in it. I, I've said that, I, or actually it was Bible school. I said that a time or two. Curtis and Randy, Curtis, you met her, didn't you? Did you know she's with the Lord now? Lord called her home and she's with the Lord. Uh, but she told me, she goes, yeah, she told me about that. And then I told that story and we went to a ball game and she was there back, you know where I'm from. Uh, and, uh, and, and just south of us here. And, and I introduced you and Randy to her, you and Randy Gaddis. Uh, but uh, that is true. But you know what? Uh, Granny, she always understood a little piece of gum, a little bit of candy, things like that. I can remember being at church and getting in trouble, and I knew. Sometimes, you know, it was, it was tough. I knew that no matter how hard I try, 
that before the day was over, I was going to get probably a whipping. And we did that back then, right? <laughs> and then I would end up sitting by Granny with my head in her lap going, <laughs> like that. But Granny, I, she just had a way with me. Sometimes I wouldn't behave for anyone else. I would go sit in Granny's lap. Well, in the early 2000s, Granny's in her 90s, and her health finally got so bad, and she's in a nursing home. And I remember going there, and unlike the situation was with my mom, Granny had all her faculties and, and was sharp as she could be right up to the very end. But her heart was failing. And they told her, there's nothing more we can do, and you're not going to make it much longer. And I got down there visiting with Granny and had prayer with her. And I said, Granny, I'm just praying that you'll get to feeling better, that you'll get to doing better. And she laughed at me. She actually did. She chuckled. And she said, I'm not going to get better. <laughs> I said, well, 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 well uh, I mean, I, 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 I hope that. Um, she goes, I'm not going to get better. Not here. But I'm going to be better soon. And she was almost giddy. I mean, almost like a girl going on her first date or something. I don't know. She was that way. It impacted me, not just what she said, but I caught that feeling. And she was so weak, and she was, did not like being there. But she had hope that was overflowing onto me. And here I am about almost 20, well, about 20 years later, and, and I'm impacted by it. And so what an example, and this is so true. And my hope is safe. You want to know why? Because it is laid up for me in heaven. There is no thief, no anything that can get to it and take it from me. No one can take it from me. Satan hasn't got the power to take this from you. The only way you lose it is if you give it up. If you take your eyes off Jesus. That's the only way. Because it is reserved for you in heaven. He says to the Colossians, Colossians 1, 4 and 5, he says, Since we heard of your... Oh, guess what? There they are again. You realize how many times Paul puts this together. He says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have faith in Christ and you've received God's love because that's how we receive His grace is through faith. And that love flows over in us and helps us love other people. He says, this is one way I know that you have faith in Christ is your love for the saints. And, and, and you have that also because of the hope. I mean, I want to tell you, it helps even to love the saints. Because I have His love. Remember, sometimes you're hard to love. But I know God loves you. So Lord, share some of that love with me. And that I have hope. I have hope here. I have hope that, that you know, I'm not going to have to just put up with all this all the time. There's heaven. And we're all going to be there made perfect. Yeah. I mean, some people, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, we, we, we have this effect on our lives as God is working in our hearts and purifying us. But, but even though we're growing as a Christian, sometimes we can all be jerks. Hmm? And it's not going to be that way over there. And I've got that hope. Hang in there. There's hope. Still yet. Faith, hope, and love. Now, the basis of this. We can't get it for ourselves. We can't conjure it up. 
There's no book you can read, positive thinking type thing. You cannot manufacture this yourself. It's a gift of His love. It is a gift from God. You want hope? Receive it by faith because of His love. Receive this hope. He says in verse 1 that we are His children. Here's the amazing thing. It's, it's, it's such a powerful gift that he, Jesus, listen, Jesus didn't, watch this, watch it. Jesus didn't die just to save your soul from hell. I mean, that's pretty awesome, right, man? But not only to save your soul from hell, but what does he say? When we see him, we will be like him. He died to make you like him. In the example that he set in real time in the flesh on planet earth. We're talking about being sanctified, set apart, made holy. He wants us to be like him. We, it's more than just being reconciled to God. We are his children. God is our father. He says that in verse, in verse 1. He says, kind of love the Father. He's, just, just, he's over, overwhelmed. Look at the love he's given us. That we should be called the children of God. And that's who we are. And this, this love, this is a power to purify us. It manifests itself through faith, which is substance and evidence, which is our response to the love of God. I'm talking about this hope. And it motivates us to be purified, to be like Him. This involves... Uh, all, so much because it's the motivation because here's what he says because we're going to see him we're going to see him when we see him we'll be like him when he comes back whether you are with him or whether you are alive on planet earth and you are changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye that we will see him did you know because of what Jesus did on the cross and your faith in him you are going to see him you're going to see him and you're going to see him as he really is in all of his glory that you couldn't see now in the flesh or it would consume you. You're going to see him as he is because you're going to be made like him. What does that mean? You're going to be made perfect. You're going to have a resurrection body like his resurrection body. You'll be able to withstand all of the glory of God himself and not be consumed. It motivates us to be pure. And that's what he says. He says that... Everyone who has this hope purifies himself as he is pure. I want to be like him. How? By responding to Christ. Now, this involves anticipation. I'm anticipating that day. And that motivates me to action. It motivates me. Remember, we're going to be like him. Watch this now. Free from sin. I'm, I struggle with sin still. But I'm going to be totally free then. I'm growing to be purified from all sin. But one day I'm going to be totally free. Like Him. Like Him, full consecration to God. Like Him, pure and perfect. I'm talking about you going to be. This is our hope. That right now I know today. Today He is, Jesus is conqueror over all sin, death, and hell. Today, right now, He is perfect in His virtue and His holiness. Today, right now, He has conquered all the powers of evil. And because of Him and my faith in Him and your faith in Him, we too 
That's a whole lot better than me too, isn't it? We too. Because of Him, we too shall put our foot on the old dragon's head. We too shall see Him bruised beneath us. And will come off more than conquerors through Him who has loved us. We too are going to experience the fullness of that. And of that perfection that's going to last forever. Sin has once and for all been defeated in our existence. And then we've got forever to enjoy that. That perfection when we see Him and we're made like Him. No more hassles, no more pain, no more death. No more separation. I don't know what all that means, but we're always going to be able to be, you know, time and space are tough at times. Here, we, we, we want to be with people we can't. We're all going to be, and, and through all ages, there's no time there. So this hope it, it is alive. It is active. Um, look what he says in 1 Peter 1, 3. Be it, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's praising God. According to his great mercy. Mercy is where he does not give us what we do deserve. Grace is where he does give us what we could deserve or earn. And so we have both. His great mercy. He has caused us to be what? Born again to what? A living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Because that tomb is still empty. Because Christ is raised. We have a resurrected, a living hope that doesn't die. Satan can't put it out. We're not to be relaxing. So now I'm saved. I'm not just going to relax and coast my way into heaven. We're not looking for some rocking chair just to lay around and just take it easy. Here's what it is. This hope causes us to want to charge into the streets and to infect everybody we can with the love and hope of Jesus Christ. That's what it does. It's not just to come sit in a nice, comfortable building where we can listen to the soft sound of rain on the tin roof and just, you know, be comforted by just soothing words so you can just drift off to sleep and just look forward to that day that God comes to take you home. No! See, some of you, I scared you just then. You were about to go down. This hope drives us to be out there and get our hands dirty because I want others to know this. I want others to see this. And listen, if those who are doing well and blessed don't want to notice His blessing and come to Him, we're going to do like those parables that Jesus gave us where He said, well, listen, those who were first invited didn't show, so I want you to go out. I want you to go out to the highways and the hedges. I want you to beat the brush, so to say. And I want you to bring, if it's the lame and the halt and the diseased and the messed up and the low down and the dirty, I want you to get them and bring them to my house because we're going to have a party. We're going to have a celebration because they have an open invitation, all of us, into the Father's house. And this is the hope that we have that is alive. It ignites a fire that ought to be flamed by His Spirit to be pure like Him and to infect others with the love of Jesus Christ. This is a reason why we're here today. We have reason to be excited. We have reason to laugh. We have reason to serve. We have reason to live because of Him. And listen, here's the thing. If we ever needed this, it is now. I'm going to fly through these last verses real fast, so be ready. We're about to close. We need it now. This is the day in which we're living. Okay? I know no one knows the hour that he comes back. And I know this. We're closer than we've ever, ever, ever been. Closer than we've ever been. Okay, I need to go to that next verse there. Somebody will help me. 
Um, there it is. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Jesus said this, talking about the last days, Matthew 24, 24, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect, the chosen of God. There's going to be false prophets, false Christ. They're going to even do amazing things. So here's what it's saying. If you go on, uh, we're going to find out in Thessalonians that one of the reasons why they're deceived is they don't have a love for the truth. If you're not rooted and grounded in thus saith the Lord, you could be deceived. There's so much deception going on in our world today about what's real and what's right. Have you noticed that? I mean, I wonder sometimes, how could people think such crazy things with all the evidence, with all the facts? It's amazing. That's the day we live in. It's the same way when it comes to the truth of God. Here's what else Jesus said. Luke records in this same setting that Jesus said, Luke 21, 26, people, he's describing our day, that day in the future. People will be fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, I don't know what all that means. And he talks about later on stars falling down. I'm just wondering all these, all the, you, you can't even hardly get through up there now, all the satellites and stuff. But maybe all that's going to be coming down too first. Who knows? All of it. Top universe. But this is the time we're living in. People are fainting with fear, anxiety, depression, panic attacks. Here's the thing we know that time is not on our side. Paul told us in Ephesians 5.16 that we're to redeem the time because the days are evil. You need to buy back the time. You need to make use of time wisely because the day's time is against you. You don't have as... There's one thing I know about time. You probably don't have as much, and I don't have as much as we think we do. And here's what we need to happen is for this hope to produce something so that we're out there as the body of Christ letting him build his kingdom in us and through us. I want to show you one other thing about hope that Paul told us. It's going to have a unifying effect. That means this hope gets our focus, not just our motivation, but our focus bigger, where we're focused on the main thing, and we keep the main thing the main thing and quit arguing and picking and dividing and getting offended over silly little things. We need to let some things go. Let it go. Forget about it. I don't know why I said that. But that's what God wants you to do is forget about it. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Paul tells us there is one body, one spirit, Holy Spirit. Just as you were called to what? One hope that belongs to your call. One hope. Our hope is the same. We all share one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in you all. One body, one spirit, one hope. This drives us to understand the unity of the body of Christ. We've worked really hard, Alan, trying to bring people together to keep the main thing the main thing and worship together. The enemy doesn't like it, but I want to tell you something powerful happens when we do that. And then we're ready. Because people are going to notice there's something different about us. Hmm? You have this kind of hope, and it motivates you, and lives in you and through you. You're going to be different folk. That's why he said, 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy. Set apart in your heart, always. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. 
You don't have to go out there and beat people over the head with your Bible. They're going to notice something's different about you, and they're going to ask, where do you get this hope? Oh, I'm glad you ask. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Father, help us today. In light of your return to live as people filled.